weeks ago, violent protests broke out around South Africa. These protests were sparked by the arrest of a former president, but grew into violence and looting, disrupting life in parts of the country. I'm very nervous, and I'm not somebody that gets nervous a lot. Farah Williams is a paramedic in Johannesburg who's been on the front lines of the COVID response. Are we going to make it home to our families? Are we going to get caught in the crossfire? The violence and looting were so widespread, even emergency health services, like ambulances, were being attacked. There was another ambulance that was spiked. Um, that was on the by the so, road? Yes. So what they do is they put the spikes out on the road. It's actually true that I know personally they were robbed. All the equipment, everything was taken out. If the ambulance gets damaged, what's going to happen to the next lot of patients that's going to need us because our ambulance will be down? So there's a lot of factors to, to think about when we're dealing with this unrest right now. This unrest also meant that people sick with COVID were scared to call for an ambulance, which had dire consequences. Going to go and see a patient, the patient is dead, and having to have to declare that patient, and the next call coming in, similar situation, or the patient was waiting for an ambulance, and while waiting, they died. Mm. It's just been a nightmare. The protests, sparked by politics, were fueled by months of anger, fear, and economic disaster, all made worse by COVID. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Monday, July 26th. Coming up on the show, the economic and human toll of COVID in South Africa and the warning it sends to the rest of the world. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever. And you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rock star with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. Our colleague Gabrielle Steinhauser covers South Africa. And she says the country has been struggling with economic inequality for decades. If you live in South Africa, you feel like something like this is coming at some point. It's just, you know, a country that has such stark inequalities. By some measures, it's the most unequal country in the world. And a lot of this inequality overlaps with race. When the country locked down in March 2020, these inequities were exacerbated. The proportion of people who lost their income was just incredibly high, especially among Black South Africans and lower-income South Africans. And those aren't people who have the luxury of savings to fall back on. 45% of households ran out of food. You know, like lots of people lost their jobs, or even if they weren't like outright fired, they didn't get paid anymore. So especially in the poor communities, it just created a lot of misery and suffering and fear. Gabrielle told us about a man named Cello Huale. He's 46 years old and lives in Johannesburg. 
and COVID turned his life upside down. So he had a steady job cleaning that brought in sort of a predictable income every month. His wife was working for a call center. Their three kids were in school. The oldest son was getting ready to go to college. And then the pandemic hits. Both he and his wife get laid off. So they, like, in one swoop, they lose their income. They had been renting this two-bedroom house with their three kids. They can't pay the rent. They move into this corrugated iron shack in an informal settlement. It doesn't have running water. It doesn't have electricity, but it's also unsafe, right? There's crime. It's just not where you want to be bringing up your kids. Even as South Africa's economy reopened, Sello was one of many who had a hard time finding work again. Because the burden of it, again, was so unequal, it's just like you can't even really measure the suffering in, in words. So the people kind of at the lowest economic level, even when the economy opened back up, they didn't necessarily get back to where they were before. No. By the end of 2020, more than 100,000 people in South Africa died of COVID by some estimates, and the country's economy was hobbled. But a few months into this year, it seemed that the country might be turning a corner. A vaccination campaign had finally begun, and so many people had been sick but survived that some scientists thought their antibodies might help the country avoid another terrible outbreak. During this period of low transmission, the South African Modeling Consortium comes out with this paper and says, you know, given the high rates of prior infections we've had, we think the third wave is going to be less bad unless we get a new variant. And then all bets are off. But they did get a new variant. The more contagious Delta variant is becoming the globally dominant strain. South African scientists tracking Delta saw it dominate new infections. Although South Africa has stepped up its inoculation drive, those shots arrived too late to halt a rising death toll driven by the Delta variant. With the arrival of the Delta variant, the hope that the country was past the worst of COVID was dashed. Less than 2% of the population had been fully vaccinated And once again, cases were surging. By the end of June, South Africa was experiencing its third wave. Here in Johannesburg, it's double the size of the two previous waves. And the government, which had been really reluctant to impose a strict lockdown because of the economy and because of the toll it's already taken, just, you know, the president comes out and says, We have no choice. This is really highly transmissible variant that's just much more contagious. A curfew will be in place from 9 p.m. to 4 a.m. We have to ban travel, especially between this province around Johannesburg, which is the epicenter now. Restaurants have to close again. Schools will start closing from this Wednesday. I mean, all these things that, that we thought we were done with, they just happen again. Because Delta is twice as transmissible, we're just back to where exactly where we were a year ago in terms of our community resistance to this virus. Health-wise, you're back to where you started a year ago. But economy-wise, you're much worse off. Yeah, we're much weaker. Yeah, we're much weaker. 
people who lost their jobs, if they had any savings, those savings are gone. Like there's just no cushion anymore, right? Like uh, any sort of like layer of protective fat has just been, it's gone. Everything that happens now cuts straight to the bone. So when Delta arrived, many people who'd been hard hit by earlier waves of the pandemic hadn't gotten back on their feet. With all those tensions that have been building up over the past year, a political event exploded into violence. That's after the break. On July 7th, former South African President Jacob Zuma was arrested. Our top story this hour, South Africa's long political drama has finally come to an end. Jacob Zuma is in police custody after turning himself in late on Wednesday night. 79-year-old was sentenced to 15 months behind bars. We get this judgment at the Constitutional Court where the former president, Jacob Zuma, who's been dogged by corruption allegations for more than two decades, suddenly gets convicted. And it's this really seminal judgment for South Africa. Because Zuma still has many supporters, Gabrielle said she'd expected to see some protests and violence, but not at the scale of what happened. The political protests quickly turned into widespread riots and looting. Suddenly we're seeing all these pictures on social media and on TV of, like, people storming into malls and shopping centers And it's just hundreds or thousands of people like just walk out with everything from bags of groceries or there's some people who drive up with trucks and just like load washing machines into them. And you don't just have people like looting shopping centers, but you have people attacking factories. Local reporters described a scene. So looters have just now started another fire at uh, Tacky Town. Plumes of smoke just coming out of this place. The whole complex is The whole complex is burning. The whole complex is burning. One of the people who joined the looting was Celo Huale, the father of three who'd lost his job earlier in the pandemic. He's sitting in, you know, in front of his shack and suddenly he sees his neighbors walking by carrying (laughs) liquor, groceries, flat screen TVs, pieces of furniture. And then somebody tells him, hey, let's go. And he goes and he goes into the supermarket and he steals some rice and some cooking oil and some paraffin for the cooking stove that they use. And it's really this moment for him, I think, where... He never thought that this was the kind of person he would be, you know, to steal. But he's, at this point, he's worried about feeding his children. Did he reflect on that, on his thieving and what it says about South Africa now? Yeah, he does. I mean, the first thing he tells us is, I've never done anything like this before. I'm ashamed but we just keep getting hit. And I think that really sums up the experience of so many South Africans. It's just been this sort of like blow after blow after blow. It just created this sort of powder keg. All told, 
The rioting and looting went on for about a week and led to at least 330 deaths. With stores ransacked or closed, people across the country couldn't get basic everyday goods. Now you have these lines of people waiting for groceries, and you you hear of mothers sort of hunting for formula online and people saying, like, we need bread, we, you know, we... We need food. We, <laughs> people can't buy their, their medication because the pharmacies have been looted. So both the explosion of unrest and now the impact that that unrest is having is really laying bare the suffering that has happened over the last year and a half in South Africa because of COVID. Yeah, yeah. One of the analysts I spoke to said, like, we've been sitting on top of this volcano and now the volcano erupted. This unrest and the situation of COVID in South Africa is very specific to the place. Is this a developing country experience or what do you make of this confluence of dissatisfaction and COVID? I mean, I think that's what we're all watching for, right? I mean, this is what our editors have been asking me for the past year. It's like, okay, things are bad. What does it mean for political stability? What does it mean for social stability? And I think we're starting to see that Colombia is another really good example of a place where the human and economic suffering brought on by the pandemic piles on top of a country that already has a lot of problems to begin with. And people have just had enough. And while, you know, the specifics of what happened here were very South African, they also tapped into a dynamic that's much more global. That's all for today, Monday, July 26th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode by Gulshan Khan and Joe Parkinson. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.